Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The teams have tested and the season is launched. Supercars, the greatest show on wheels. We look at all that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The Greatest Show on Wheels was launched on Wednesday night in Sydney with the season only a week from commencing in the Middle East. It's nice to be part of such a high-profile activity and, you know, V8 supercars are really taking it to the next level and, you know, it's not, no longer just a sport, it's, you know, it's more of an entertainment. So it's great and, you know, it's, it's all nice to be part of it and work with a high-profile person like Pink's, you know, phenomenal. All the drivers were on hand to see the new commercial, which features pop icon Pink. How you going? So to be able to work with it for the ad was cool. It's it's an honour, and it's it, yeah, just being associated with big names like that, and uh, it's the demographic we've got to chase, and um, and I think it'll blow a lot of people away. Pre-season testing kicked off on Monday at Winton with Victorian-based teams getting their first run on the track in anger. Jason Barguana was showing grace pace in the Kelly Racing Rock Commodore, being fastest overall on the day. We stuck to our program and then at the end of the day we put all together and, and um, saved a better set of tyres and yeah, it did a good time. Rick Kelly was second quickest on the test day. He's confident that his testing speed will translate into race results. It was a good day for us. It was very hot down here at Winton, which was, although it's difficult in the car, it's a fantastic start to the year because it's going to be hot in the Middle East. It's a good opportunity for us to get back in the car and, um, and just experience the temperatures again because we haven't done that for two months and it's hard to simulate that in our normal training. So I'll sleep well tonight, but um, it's been a good first day. Rounding out the top five in testing, Mark Winterbottom was third fastest. Jason Bright in the Brad Jones Racing number 14 trading post car was fourth. And Paul Dumbrell in the Rod Nash Racing FPR prepared Bottle Oak Falcon was fifth fastest. Tuesday, the testing moved down to Queensland Raceway, where youngster Shane Van Gisbergen topped the times on a rain-affected day. Van Gisbergen happy with the way his year is starting out. Yeah, yeah, we ran through all the motions during the day. We didn't really have anything flash, but we got a good car balance and uh, we're pretty happy with it. You know, you don't get any trophies for a test day. We're just hanging out for Abu Dhabi and uh, getting ready for that. Holden returnees Craig Lowndes and Jamie Winkup had varying views of how their first serious test was progressing. An evolution. Every time we build one, we obviously think of something smarter and wiser to do to them and make them obviously a better mousetrap to play with. And, uh, you know, this car at the moment is, is uh, responding to everything I need, and uh, which is a positive. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, we've got to hit the ground running at a race weekend. Test days are one thing. Race days are another. Today's proving that um, it's not the same car so the challenge in trying to make it competitive is um, 
is, is, is one that's probably keeping us going at the moment. It's probably one that's going to make us strong. Triple Eight will be out on the track at Queensland Raceway this Friday as they continue to try and get their Holdens up to speed. Rumours that their endurance drivers, particularly Mark Scaife, would be also on the track shaking the cars down have been denied by the team. Paul Morris, Motorsports 2 drivers, were both happy with their tests. Russell Engel knowing there'll be no excuses with the Triple Eight chassis he now enjoys. Um, car ran faultless in the shakedown and uh, we're just hoping it's got the uh, got the goods to put us up the pointy end of the grid this year. Greg Murphy talked about his move to Paul Morris Motorsport and his Castrol Edge racer. Car felt really comfortable out the gate. You know, it felt like I'd you know been driving this car for a while, so it wasn't too different in too many ways. Um, obviously, they all do things a little bit different on the racetrack. Murphy is gutted that he'll not be on the grid for the first round of the championship in Abu Dhabi with a Top Gear Live commitment already booked ahead of the season's calendar being scheduled. Yeah, it's, a, it's not, a, not a great uh, subject uh, to talk about, to be honest. It's, um, it's, it's really disappointing that, that, that it's worked out that way. I mean, I, I had a great time with the Top Gear guys and, you know, signed up that contract quite some time ago before the calendar here, and it's, it's just uh, it's, it's one of probably your world's worst nightmare, really, uh, for a race car driver to be caught up in that position or a sports person or anyone that has a clash like that. Ford has appointed a new motorsport manager in Chris Styring. With Formula One, tennis and Australian rules experience, Styring is charged with leading Ford Motorsport into the new era and more particularly the marketing strategy around Ford Motorsport. The motorsport manager position has been vacant since November 2008 when Ray Price moved to another area of the company. In that time, the Ford brand has suffered some heavy knocks, including the defection of Triple Eight Motorsport, along with the high-profile recruits Russell Engel and Jason Bright, both going to the Lion. In one of his first announcements since taking the job, he quickly moved to get Dick Johnson Racing back into the Ford fold, with the Jim Bean Racing team once again having Ford sponsorship in season 2010. Jonathan Webb has announced that he will be driving a Canadian club-sponsored Dick Johnson Racing Falcon this season. The team tested in a blank livery car this week, but the Jim Beam subsidiary is believed to be picking up the tab for the third car in the Dick Johnson Racing stable. Obviously with the sponsorship ban for, for the first couple of rounds, um, it kept our sponsor on the sideline at Phil Pixel. But um, we'll have Canadian club on the car which will be a, um, a nice little sponsor to have to, to support us for the season at the moment. Jonathan Webb has said that his car, the third in the Dick Johnson stable, will not be receiving any of the Ford support. No, unfortunately, um, at the moment, it will just be on the two Jim Beam cars. Ford's obviously just coming in uh, in a small portion at the moment to, to try and get involved with the team and obviously to start that relationship, which is great. But obviously we'll see how we go down the track and hopefully it can spread across the three cars by the end of the season. Fair Dinkum Sheds is the major sponsor of the Brightec car prepared by Brad Jones Racing. Carl Reindler had his first outing in it on Monday. With less than a week now to the start of the season, what does the oldest man in the field, Russell Ingle, think of starting it in the Middle East? You can't deny V8 supercars of um, not having a go in different uh, formats for the fans, that's for sure. At least, at least they're having a go. We've got to try these sort of things. And I'm totally in agreement in trying anything that will make the racing better and look you can look all you want on paper and some formats look good on paper some don't but then until you actually try them you don't really know so you know congratulations to VAC Supercars for having a go and actually trying all these formats because at the end of the day we're about putting on a good show for the fans and uh, if we can achieve that by some of the things they've come up with well I'm all for it. 
Stephen Richards launched his car on Thursday with Dunlop moving to the major sponsor position on the FPR Falcon. It's great to have the Dunlop Super Dealer Network on, on board with us. Um, they've, they've been a, a personal sponsor of mine for the last couple of years and I've been involved with Dunlop for, for about the last eight years. So it's, um, it's good synergy for our team because we obviously have a, have a commitment from Dunlop. Um, but it's great to, uh, great to have their brand on the side of the car. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Andrew Clark and Brett Murray. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from P101, it's Andrew Clark. Andrew, we're fast approaching 200 shows on the V8 Insiders, and uh, you were one of the first guests we ever had on the show, so... Uh... It's amazing it survived then, isn't it? <laughs> Well, you're not wrong, Andrew, but it's people like our next, next guest in Brett Crusher-Murray from the Gold Coast Bulletin, who uh, has certainly kept us alive and kicking. Good evening, Crusher. Good evening, gentlemen. It's been a big week of announcements, and, of course, we got to see the cars out on the track for the first time. Down there in Winton, I, I think you have to say Kelly Racing made a big statement, Crush. Yeah, I think they've done a pretty good job, uh, obviously, uh you know, given the gear to Jason Bargwani, he was quickest on the day, and Rick Kelly was second quickest, and uh, it was Mark Winterbottom was third quickest in the FPR Auckland Falcon. Um, so uh, the Kellys have decided that, uh, you know, uh, the roll stuff out from day one. Um, Bargwani's obviously happy with the gear he had. Um, uh, I think uh, you know, the time he did was on uh, some OK rubber, which is, um, which is OK. There's plenty of other blokes on the same stuff. But it certainly will give him some confidence in the team, plenty of a bit of a shock before... Uh, heading off to uh, the Middle East. One thing also we saw there, Andrew, is a, a number of those Melbourne teams that had, uh, well, a lot of a lot of white space on the cars, and I guess we want to talk about that a little bit later, but it was noticeable, wasn't it, that uh, there's a lot of teams that don't have the full bank account uh, or the full sponsorship accounts ringing in the bank. I think that's definitely a factor and uh, you know, I think w- when the sport was talking itself up last year as not suffering from the recession, um, anybody who'd studied the world economics understood that the problem was going to come this year and that's why guys like Cochrane and, uh, and Scaife and so forth have been so into this concept that we have to reduce the running costs of these teams um, so that we can you know, get to the point where you can survive on the, on the sponsorship that's available and uh, yeah, there's a couple of teams I think are going to have a few dramas this year as, as the, certainly as the season goes on um, you know, the others, of course, will be fine. But, uh, you know, some of the smaller teams, I think, are in for, uh, in for not a very nice time. When you looked at that practice session down there, what immediately jumped out at you, Clarky? Um, oh, I think, you know, to me, I don't think anything really unusual was there. I mean, 
I would have expected the Kelly, anybody from Kelly Racing to be quick. Uh, Bugs has got a track record of speed, um, so, you know, that's not that much of a surprise. The problem with test days is that, you know, like, people have their list of things that they want to do. You know, they got, uh, I want to test this, I want to test that, and I want to test this. Um, so the t- cars that are, teams that have got four cars are probably going to have a chance to send one of them out there for a blinding lap late in the piece. Um, and when they start the day, they probably haven't worked out who's going to do that. They wait and see which cars... You know, got closer in terms of its shape and then they tossed the best rubber at that and let it out and see what happens. So, you know, I'm not surprised at the slightest in anything that happened in the test day. Crusher, what about the Melbourne test? Any Anything that uh, you thought was startling? I guess the fact that HRT and also uh, Bundaberg Rum Racing wasn't there did take a little bit of the gloss off the, uh, the full test day, but you only have to be quickest of what was going around the track that day. Yeah, I think uh, it's, I think it's going to gloss off the day, um, but you know certainly as yardsticks um, from Melbourne-based teams, they're, they're one of the teams that uh, the whole series based themselves on. So it would have been uh, good to see all those cars run against those guys on the same day. Obviously, they didn't test; they tested a week earlier, so they could be in the involved in the Brisbane uplift to the Middle East this week. So that was the reason they didn't run. Um, Queensland uh, was, uh, which I personally attended, um, was um, you know. Plenty of guys just working digitally through the day. Yeah, they got a bit of rain in the middle of the day, so plenty of cloud cover. Um, you know, that's one of those guys who quick their wind cups sort of running around. They sort of prove straight out of the box that they're going to be okay. Jonathan Webb uh, ran some good times early in the, uh, the third, uh, um, you know, DJR car, and, um, and I think that um, there's a fair bit of mix through the day. And again, as, as Andrew said, you know, trying this and trying that, and at the end of the day, um, we'll, you know, all the, uh, all the uh, crap stops next week uh, when they head to Bahrain and mm. Abu Dhabi. It, it was interesting, though, Andrew, uh, when you heard Craig Lowndes talking about his car, he's, as always, smiling his face, being positive. Wing Cup, though, was quite honest to say the cars have got a ways to go and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do between now and Abu Dhabi in, two, well, in a week and a half's time. Yeah, I think Wind Cup's got a track record, though, of frowning a lot when uh, when life's pretty good. Um, it's a bit of his psychological game against others, you know, let them think we've got a few dramas here and uh, then come out and be fast. I mean, there's no doubt that Triple Eight is going to be a benchmark team again. Um, my gut feel for this year is that they'll be a bit up and down. Um, you know, I don't think they'll be as consistently strong as they have been as they come to grips with the new car. And, you know, people kind of say, oh, yeah, I know, but 80% of the running gear is the same and this is the same and that's the same. But at the end of the day, what they've got to really work out is how the car, the aerodynamics respond to what they're doing. And that's the big difference, you know. The, the way the air flows over it will affect the way it responds in the corners and does all the bits and pieces. You know, the engine power and the way that delivers is going to be different. So, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, no doubt. But, uh, you know, they're probably the best equipped team in pit lane and uh you know their track record over the past few years is amazing so you know if anybody thinks they're uh, they're not going to have one car out of there too and certainly if you want to go out and include ingle as well but you know they're, they're going to be up there again now but don't be surprised if you know if uh wind cup comes out and wins the first round don't be surprised at that <laughs> no it... not in the slightest i mean people want to write them off but uh you know, they think it's a big move, and it is a big move, but, you know, it's all about the intelligence of the people, you know, and, and what is the engineering stability? And see, and I'd rate having engineering stability over a change like that to a new car um, as being a much more important thing. And that's where I think the HRT is going to have a couple of dramas this year. I mean, from what I can tell, there's been 14 engine changes to the engineering staff in that place, including swapping, you know, engineers over from driver to driver, 
you know, people like Richard Holway, who's been there, you know, half a lifetime, have left. Um, so I think that they've got bigger dramas adjusting to, to life than does Triple uh, Eight. It's interesting, Crusher, that uh, when we look at uh, how the V8 supercar world is so uh, unstable and transient, normally it's not those big name people that are the ones moving is it you normally see a lot of the the mechanics the general mechanics the the fab shop guys they're the ones that are turned over quite heavily throughout a year but this year every team and particularly the two factory teams down in melbourne they've churned through some staff yeah definitely and uh i think that's you know it's a sign of the time i think you know you you know one of the reasons you know people like gary rogers um you know who's picked up you know some pretty handy staff they've got a bit more of a budget this year and and, you know, people ask where the money goes, well, that's where the money goes. The money goes on the good people, you know. It's all about people. It's not about chewing up tyres. You're going to chew up so many of them. There's only so much fuel you can chew, chew and fit. It's, it's the people. The people, is, you know, what, they're the ones that cost the day. All right. Now, your final impressions from testing at Queensland this week? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, there was a couple of cars there with a bit of white space on them and, and um, things like, you know, DJR with the Jim Beam cars and running in the in the livery that we'll, that we'll see uh, in the Middle East, which is obviously non-alcohol. Um, you know, so that was, it was all a little bit bland, although they did carry some signs of the prostate uh, cancer uh, foundation, which they're going to run over there, which is a good thing. And, and I think that, um, you know, you know, you look at those cars out there and how slick they look, I think you know, looking fearless on those cars, the Vodafone cars just look fantastic. I think they've done a great job on the design and it's slick, they're, you know, the the way they present themselves, you know, Roland's just a you know true professional. I think the the Irwin car of Alex Davison was looks fantastic with the new uh, the new Irwin branding on it, which they're using to take into the market. And, and I think um, you know uh, the the the, uh, the Castro car of Greg Murphy looked trick. That's how race cars should look. I think they've done a great job on that as well. So um, from a from a look and feel, I think those guys uh, stood out above the rest. And um, but there's still a few things to be tweaked on those other cars when they get back from the Middle East. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. There is plenty more to talk about on the other side of this. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders from the Gold Coast Bulletin. It's Brett Crusher-Murray, and from P101 Publishing, it is Andrew Clark. Guys, uh, the big announcement this week, and I know it's dear to your heart up there at the Gold Coast Crusher, was the Indy Carnival. And it was. I'm still trying to a week later work out who's doing what to who. Have you, have you got your head around it? I'm sure you have. Well, mate, if I haven't, we're in a bit of strife. <laughs> um, yeah, in regards to uh, how it all how it all uh, unfolded, um, the Queensland government uh, elected to disband the Gold Coast Events Motor Corporation, which was a joint partnership between IMG and, and the government. So they decided to call uh, call that quick. So uh, IMG out. Um, then uh, part of the process was uh, a uh, proposal from V8 Supercar Australia and the events arm to put 
together a program for the event, um, which is uh, what's been approved and announced, um, which is the Super Carnival. And uh, we have on the same weekend, uh, it will be an endurance uh, event, 300k races on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, as the new rules roll out, there is uh, each team must have an international driver as part of their uh, lineup. So all the rules are being being tweaked as we speak. How those drivers are allocated, how teams go about grabbing them, is all going to be worked out in the next couple of weeks. What they needed to do was be able to put something together in a very very short period of time to uh, to sort of fit in with the government's guidelines and when they're going to announce it and how it's all going to roll out. They've done that. Um, five drivers have been announced in the first instance, who are Scott Pruitt, Alex Tagliani, Christian Fittipaldi, Mark Blundell and uh, David Brabham. And uh, the other 13 drivers will be sourced uh, over the next few weeks and uh, all 18 drivers will be announced uh, when the, the event's officially launched in April sometime. So that's sort of it. Um, you can ask a million questions. There's not a million answers yet, but uh, it's all going to be rolled out. Um, the track's going to be shortened. Uh, it'll now turn basically left. It's almost second chicane at uh, Red Rooster Corner. comes down to about 2.98 kilometres or something. Um, more grandstands will be built. There'll be more sort of Coliseum-type stands, uh, which are built for the atmosphere. The whole look and feel of the event's going to be created around a family look and feel, so take away some of those elements that you crept in over the last few years. And uh, I think the whole thing's just going to go uh, from strength to strength. It's basically a rebirth of the event in its 20th year. I think, um, you know, there's obviously some politics that'll still uh, sort of come come forward in regards to the fallout of the A1 GP debacle. Um, what we need to do is leave that to the side. Obviously, it has to be debated. They need to get through all that stuff. What we need to do is uh, get out there and, um, and promote the event and sell some tickets and promote the Gold Coast to the world. Now, Clarky, I know you love a damning a damning parliamentary report, and uh, this one was every bit as good as the GMC 400 report that came out, what, 10 years ago now? Yeah, it's, I mean, I haven't read this particular report, but uh, I think, yeah, when, you, when you're going to sit there and say, well, you know, the government forked out money and the A1 Grand Prix didn't turn up, then you're going to get a damning report. Uh, I'm, I'm with Crusher. I think that uh, they've responded to this quite well. Um, you know, it needed to be an international event to justify... The, the money that the state government was giving because, like, you know, and, and Crusher can probably testify to this on a daily basis. I mean, how many more southerners do you need to go up to the Gold Coast? So as a tourist thing, they needed to start to say, well, you know, this is about an international destination, not just a destination of choice for Australians. So the international part of it was quite good. Um, what I like about this thing is that I think they've done something really different. Um, and, and you've always got to sit back and say when people think differently and do something different that it's a great thing for the sport um, I'm not so sure that they should only be allowed to have one international per team I reckon every car should have an international driver in it um, and, and really push the window you know and there's enough good international drivers out there who could do the job I mean you know Crusher's taught, you know, reeled six off before who's done it but you know what about guys like Alan Simonson and company um, and if you get the timing of it right you know where does Marcus Ambrose rate for next year you know, if you're doing it on a non-NASCAR weekend, surely he's now an international. So, you know, you if they can find a license. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would this time. But, uh, you know, you'd easily find 30 people, 30 top-quality international drivers, um, so long as you're allowed to sit back and choose the right weekend to hold this thing. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe hold it a, a couple of weeks later so you know that all of the NASCAR's finished, all of the IndyCars are gone. Um, you know, maybe even Formula One, try and get a Mark Webber into a car. 
Um, and I think, yeah, the attraction of doing an event like this is going to have that kind of pull. It's going to say to Weber, you know, do you want to come and drive with Jamie Wincup um, or, you know, have a crack with somebody else? And he's going to sit there and say, cry, that'd be good fun. You know, let's go and do it. Formula One's over. I'll have a go. I reckon... Um, and then I think you've got a really, really, truly special event. And um, I don't know whether anyone paid much attention in the past, but I've never been that big a fan of the Gold Coast Race Weekend. Um, but I reckon this is a really good move. Well, coming from the man who coined it Schoolies Week on the Gold Coast, I reckon uh, it's a fair chance you weren't a big rap for it. I think the best thing of it is the 2.9-kilometre circuit. It was too long for V8 supercars, and the shortening of it is... That's exactly the right length. And, and the two 300k races, well, I'm interested to see how they, whether they go with the stupid two races or whether they go with... No, if you crash out on Saturday, you're starting at the back and you're, and you're 50, 80, 90 laps behind before you even start. But you better get out there and do some racing. Yeah, I mean, I think, as I said before, like I reckon that uh, who, whoever has worked on this plan, they've done a great job and, uh, you know, well done. Now, we've got a new man in at Ford. Uh, Thanks. About, <laughs> about, uh, about bloody time, I think most of the Ford fans are saying now that they've seen any chance of this year uh, falling by the wayside before the season's even got to the, uh, uh, to the Abu Dhabi round one. I think the first thing people need to come to grips with is just because there's only really ten Fords on the track doesn't mean the season's all gone for them. Um, anybody who thinks that Mark Winterbottom's not going to be strong, that you know James Courtney or Steve Johnson's not going to be in with a show, that you know the two Stone Brothers um, top guys aren't going to be up there at the, and running is kidding themselves. You can have 40 cars out there it only takes one car to win. So if the Ford fans are running around in despair, I wouldn't start that yet. Um, I reckon that the new bloke in there, Marin Barella, the uh, the president, seems to uh, have an understanding that this is important. Um, I don't think he quite understands exactly how important it is, um, but hopefully this new bloke, Chris Styring, will uh, will be able to convince him of that. Um, he's got a good track record in other sports, um, including you know Williams Formula One, but also... Um, you know, a couple of other uh, tennis jobs you know, with Tennis Australia um, and perhaps his, uh, his biggest failing is the uh, general manager of relationships at uh, Richmond Football Club and I think anybody who comes from Richmond Footy Club has got a bit of, you know, a bit of uh, damage to get rid of but, uh, As they'll uh, find out in the first round when they play the Blues again this year, Clarkie uh, Well, they've got Hawthorne next weekend so, uh, in, in, in the NAB Cup so it's all over for them but, uh, yeah, I think it's good that they put somebody on. But what's good about it is that they haven't just gone hunting around inside Ford and said, oh, geez, you know, who do we owe a promotion to? Let's just pump him up. And I'm not saying that in a bad way about Ray Price or or, um, or the bloke before him whose name's gone, completely gone out of my head now. But they've actually gone out there and they've hunted and they've looked around and they've tried to find somebody this time around that's going to bring something different to the table. Um, so if Ford Australia and its president, Marin Morella, is committed to this thing, then Chris Styring's going to do some really good work there. Mm-hmm. Crusher, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, Ford, you know, Ford, it's no secret Ford in the last couple of years have seriously struggled. I mean, all the momentum they had you know, during the golden years a few years ago and, and the marketing dollars they put behind it, what they did was fantastic. I mean, they've really lost a lot of momentum. Um, how they let AAA go to Holden is just beyond me. Um, and I think that, you know, this guy realised it would be great. I mean, the fact that what worries me is they actually come out and made these little announcements on the same day that the, the championship's actually doing their their big launch in Sydney, which, you know, the time, just thinking of timing like that and the things that need to happen to be able to get these guys back on track and, and understand, you know, what they need to do to put it back in the public eye is, um, is very, very important. And, um, but this is 
you as a, as a PR and marketing man, Crush, I mean, you look at some of the things these guys do out at Ford and you just sit there shaking your head thinking, you know, they might be able to build a car or they might be able to put a race team together or sponsoring things, but, like, they're just missing that last little element, you know, the, the little bit that's just going to make it all stick and, the, and, and hold the board up on the wall. Well, I think it's the past attitude of the past bloke in regards to, you know, you know, whether it was right or wrong and the email, which email was right and which email was wrong about, you know, having blue cars out on the track. I think mean, Rowers on record as saying he doesn't care what car they are as long as they're Falcons and they're running around, which is the attitude you need. Mm-hmm. When the day that I saw that announced, I saw an FTV ad on TV where a roller door lifts up and Craig Lowndes' red car was sitting there. So if that was the case, I mean, surely that was, you know, it was all rubbish because it just didn't go across the board and as it turned out, it probably cost them one, if not two sponsors. And uh, you know what? I looked at Mark Winterbottom's car and I thought, gee, that's a very silver blue, isn't it? And yeah, well, I think the attitude's changed. I think I think Winterbottom's car looks fantastic. That Alpine car is is going to be one of the best looking cars out there this year. I think they've done a great job of that. Mm. And um, you know, but um, there's a bit of blank yeah. space, which apparently is going to be filled pretty shortly on the other car. So, I mean, um, in my other life as a marketing person, I understand the importance of of colour. You know, that blue is important, but. It's not the whole car that needs to be blue. What needs to work is that, especially that window strip, you know, that should be blue and it should have four on it. The rest of the car could be buddy pink for all that matters. You know, so long as you look at that car and you see a big blue Ford sign at some point, you're laughing. And I think... That is that, the, the badge on the front grille, the badge yep. on the back, dude, and across the windscreen, that, as yep. you say, Clarker, that's all you need. Yeah, yep. and if they, if, they got, if they allowed that to be the cause for Triple Eight leaving then, you know, they've got some pretty serious issues inside that organisation. Now, we need to move on. Perth is axed. Is it axed or is it just uh, we need to move these negotiations forward? Or is it a case now we've got the Gold Coast on board, we've now got Queensland Raceway as a vert supercar event, Western Australian Sports Car Club, we just want your track now, Crusher. Uh, no, I think you're reading too much into that, uh, Craig. I think that um, you know they've been in negotiations with these guys for a long time, and I think they just got fed up as they did at Queensland Raceway. Queensland Raceway was always a TBA on the on the schedule um, because they, the deal hadn't been done. As was um, you know the Gold Coast was like, well, the, the government committed to an, an event of some description, and the VH had a five year deal. So I mean that event was never going away unless the, the event was completely scrapped and there was a big change of heart. So. Those two things haven't made any difference. The only reason that the Queensland Raceway event's going ahead is because of Paul Pasali, who's the uh, the mayor of Ipswich. He's got involved and, and made sure that you know things were tweaked and, and, and the guy who has a lease out there was eliminated from the deal and um, they've gone forward. I think that um, we at Supercars Australia have um, done what they can to negotiate with these guys. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the joint does need an upgrade. They need to keep going along, but I think you know the, the communication just got to a point where they were probably being treated, you know, a little bit in contempt. Um, I'm sure that the Western, uh, Western, Coast, Western Australia thinks uh, thinks differently and um, and have said so. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you've got to get deals done. You've got to get them done for it. You know, this is not this is not uh, 1991 and we're not running around at Lakeside. This is a serious game. We need People need to know what's going on. There needs to be revenue streams. Um, and I think, you know, sort of digressing a little bit, you talk about those cars with the white space on the side of them. Um, and people talk about, you know, um, running at events they, they should or shouldn't run at. Um, if it wasn't for, you know, the events that are in Abu Dhabi and Bahrain, I mean, they're the things that are keeping those teams alive through the through the money that's being fed back into the teams. Mm. Well, uh, what I'm going to do, uh, we uh, Andrew, your thoughts on the Perth axing? 
Oh, I mean, I think Perth's a great little track and all those kind of things, but uh, to me there were two tracks in this, in this series that stand out by their um, poor facilities. Um, Queensland Raceway and Perth are the two, and uh, if it was up to me, I would have dropped both of them. I wouldn't care who wanted them back on the series. Um, I reckon if they can't come up to the up to scratch, when there are other tracks who are willing to do it, um, there are other people who've spent their money, like even Buddy Mick at Winton spent money to get it up to scratch. So, you know, these guys can do it. Um, and I think that uh, if V8s have to force their hand by doing something like this, then go for it. While saying that, we, you know, we, we do need to race in Western Australia. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a long way to go, and it's probably the most expensive. It's probably the most expensive race meeting of the year to go to for these teams, you know, including the Middle East and, and New Zealand, because you know the bills paid. <laughs> um, so, you know, it is the most expensive race meeting of the year. But you know, it's for us to, to be a true national series, we need to go there. But you know, not at the extent of having to do it and, and do it for less money and do the things they need to do. It's a professional business. It's what needs to happen, and you know, I think that. Um, you know, the boys have probably made the right call. Well, had no choice in the end. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to go to a break and then come back with Gas and Go. I'll just finish it off. If we don't go to Perth, does that mean all the people that were getting their mining money to fund them through a season or through part of a season is not going to get there? That's a question for after the break here on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Gas and go as we've uh, blown out the controversy corner this week. And, uh, guys, I went to the break asking you a question. Is not going to Perth going to affect some of the mining money that buyer drives do tend to use to get themselves into a seat? Andrew Clark. The mining money's gone anyway. Uh, you know, they're in such a recession at the moment until uh, China starts buying all their minerals again. So uh, I don't think it's a big drama. Okay, uh, Crusher? Yeah, I, actually, I, I sort of disagree a little bit. I, I think there's plenty of um, money, especially some of the, the oil company money that's linked to some of those deals, um, I think will be affected. Um, obviously, people like, you know, um, Garth Tander are upset with not being able to go over there. There's um, Caterpillar, who's got a big presence over there. Um, I know Walcon's got a big presence over there. Um, you know, I think some of those, I mean, I don't think it's devastating. I don't think it's, you know, it's not going to cost necessarily sponsorship though, but there's certainly plans in place for a lot of those companies to uh, to do some major um, hospitality and, and ride days and all those things that go with it, and um, you know, you just can't afford to lock any of those things in the way that you know, the volatility is within it, really, in this sport or anything else at the moment. Mm. Right. Just remember Queensland Raceway came back. Yeah, that's right. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. It's on sale now, and here's Gas and Go for another week. We've got three minutes on the clock starting from now. Andrew Clark, if you have to choose an international driver, who do you want? Uh, if it's somebody who hasn't been selected, I'd go for Alan Simonson. Okay, he's my pick too. Crusher? Uh, Tom Christensen, Alan McNish, or uh, Dario Franchitti. Yeah, I've seen him, Alan Manu, since you took Simonson off me, Clarky. As uh, normal, Crusher's got about 14 cars in the race, so he's got all his drivers covered. Or Tarquini. 
The ideal one to be Ambrose, but you can't get him because he's running NASCAR that weekend. Yes. Cars without sponsorship, how long will they last, Crusher? Uh, I think uh, there's plenty of time for those guys to get them sorted out and the way that the, uh, the money's filtering back through uh, the licensing system, I think um, you know, we're not going to see any cars uh, in, in an enormous amount of trouble for, uh, for a little while. All right. Uh, Clarky. I agree, yeah. I think the uh, the money that comes into the teams is fine to carry them through. It just means that the uh, the third or the fourth car in those situations is uh, not going to be as beautiful as the first and second car. All right. Clarky, why doesn't Jim Beam Racing like Stephen Johnson? Why don't they like him? Um, that's a very good question. I mean, I suppose the first thing to come to grips with is do they not like him? I mean, they keep re-signing him. Um, so yeah, but, gee, they, exos- they exercise every other phone number in the book. And the day before the testing day, they go, oh, yes, we've signed, re-signed Stephen. Six That's months right. ago, they had keep... the bells and whistles out there going, James is here. Look at James. Well, James finished behind his teammate. Yeah, but James is the bloke who, uh, who brings the sponsors in the door. He's the one who brings the, uh, you know, the pretty girls in to watch them race. Um, I think it's about keeping Steve lean. Um, I think you need to keep that bloke hungry. You need to make him think that he's got to um, bust his ass to keep his job and... Uh, Anything less than that's not going to be good enough, Steve. Um, and that's the way you'll get the best out of him because uh, I think he's a guy with a lot of natural talent, um, but I also think he's a guy who hasn't yet um, really delivered on that talent. Crusher? Mate, well, Dick Johnson's name's on the door and Jill Johnson's married to Dick Johnson. Steve Johnson's going nowhere. Wow. <laughs> who has the money to run the Kelly Racing second car in a week and a half's time? Crush? Uh, I think those guys are working pretty diligently out there. They've been talking to a few guys for a little while and... Uh, I think, um, you know, I think you'll probably see an announcement in the next week or so about what's going to happen. Um, I think they've, got, they've certainly got some options to throw all that through. What they don't want to do is, you know, go on, which I know they've had the opportunity to go and do, to sell that thing for a lot of money to someone, you know, who just didn't want to have the talent. They want to get what they can through the door and give some young guy a shot. You know, maybe that mightn't be straight away, but, I, you know, Todd Kelly is adamant about that and about making sure that, you know, his operation is a very professional operation. We've just seen that with the latest announcement about their extension to their, their workshops out at, at Braceline in Melbourne, which are, you know, going to be fairly amazing sort of set up. Um, and I think that, um, you know, OK, they might have to go through with a, you know, in regards to someone bringing the budget for a little while, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, they, they want to have um, four serious guys in those cars, um, certainly by the end of the year or leading into 2011. All right. Is Moffat Crusher the, the perfect fit at FPR? Or is this actually the uh, Stephen Richards replacement we're seeing early? Um, I think uh, having James... James is obviously a very talented young bloke. Um, he, he, uh, he's certainly got to work on his fitness. We saw some of the results from the, uh, the York on uh, Man of Steel fitness test they did up on the Gold Coast last week, and he seriously struggled. Um, but, you know, he admitted that and uh, has to go forward. Um, the surprising one out of that was Stephen Richards. He was the oldest guy on the field. There was... Out of all the individual times, including the triathletes, Stephen Richards' times and his fitness levels were higher than anyone else, which was just quite remarkable. Um, so I think that um, Stephen's, you know, a hungry guy. He's a, he's a professional guy. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, and I think that, um, you know, he might be... I don't necessarily think he can win the championship, but I think he, he, he might see uh, him as the most improved driver in the field um, in 2010. All right, Clarky. I think Richo suffered from a bunch of factors outside of his control last year. At uh, FPR, wasn't a very sharp team last year, so you know to sit back and uh, and um, kill Richo over that, I think you're uh, you're kidding yourself. Um, Richo will come back okay this year, I reckon. Uh, be nice if he qualified a little bit better. He wouldn't have to race quite so hard, but 
you know, I think uh, rumours of his demise are, uh, are way too early. Um, Moffat obviously is a very logical fit in that place, given the uh, fact that his father's just signed on as a FPR ambas- FPV ambassador and things. But, uh, you know, I think that you'll find that uh, if they're smart, they'll run James Moffat for another season in the uh, in the you know, junior classes and uh, perhaps um, look at replacing him with uh, Paul Dumbrell. Sorry, replacing Paul Dumbrell with him. Well, I think you're certainly those, you know, the elements you talk about, I mean, they've got some major improvement to happen there. But, you know, someone like Tim Edwards is, you know, it's not a miss on him. He, you know, you just want to look at the timesheets and look at the championship points to, to realise where they're at. But um, they're also smart enough to know they've got to make changes, and they'll do that. And I think, um, yeah, as I said, in New Sick, like that um, they can make some uh, some major improvements this year. Well, yeah, I, I think they've done some pretty significant changes already, so... Uh, I think you'll find they'll come out a bit sharper than they were last year. I've got to tell you, if the results don't improve, Tim Edwards might not be making the changes. Dave Richards might be. <laughs> yeah, well, you would have said that last year, wouldn't you, halfway through, but it uh, didn't turn out that way. I mean, there's a lot of questions. I mean, Roland Dane's always questioning whether Dave Richards has any interest at all in uh, in winning in Australia. Um, Roland Dane says all he's interested in doing is making money out of it, and he does that. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. You've got to kind of wonder, but uh, my thought was that uh, if you win races, you probably make a bit more money. All right, that's Gas and Go for another week. Brought to you by VRX Magazine. My thanks to Brett Crusher-Murray from the Gold Coast Bulletin. Thanks very much for being on the show once again. We uh, look forward to uh, hearing all the uh, yarns when you get through the Middle East double. Yeah, that'll be a pretty interesting trip. Um, sure there'll be a few camel rides and it won't be... Uh many JDs drunk, I don't think, but uh, be interesting. I'm actually heading there, and I'm heading off to uh, to the NASCAR race in Vegas, taking one of my tour groups there to watch Marcus run around. So uh, that should be a bit of fun the week after. It uh, sounds like are you almost halfway there from the Middle East, or are you going the long? Yeah, way? I'm on a round the world ticket, mate. I made sure I got the deal. <laughs> All right, and uh, Andrew Clark from P101. Always a pleasure to have you back on the show. Show number 198. So we're not far away from that big 200. Woo-hoo. Can we get a life membership then? I uh, will think about it. <laughs> cool. And uh, just a uh, special thanks to Crush for fixing your cold case for us. Yes, that's true. Uh, my pleasure, boys. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.